Welcome to another episode of Singled In, a gathering place for single members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in their 30s and 40s, also known as mid-singles. I'm Oliver. And I'm Lindsay. Today we're joined by Rachel Rukert. She is a friend of mine from Boston. We both live there at the same time and we're in the YSA scene together. We actually weren't friends there. We were in two different wards. I mean, we knew each other probably. But we uh, connected later after Boston Days through like a mutual best friend, I would say. So yeah, we've been on like some fun trips together and things like that in more recent years, which I love. And we're really excited to talk to Rachel. She just released a book. Was it earlier this year? Or it was in November 2022. So just like four months ago. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. It feels longer. Uh, I know. East Winds. And it's about her kind of reckoning with marriage, especially as a member of the church. And some of her kind of anthropological exploration of marriage around the world. So I personally love the book. I loved, (laughs) she met her husband in Boston. And so that was fun to hear about that because I know both of them. And then also Rachel was the one that encouraged me to do the Camino de Santiago in Spain. It's like a, it's a religious Catholic pilgrimage where you walk basically, what is it? Like 100 kilometers or so. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it was wonderful, pretty life-changing as she said it would be. And also something I did on my own, which, um, I do want to do an episode in the future about singles travel. So we'll have to do that. Yeah. She can tell us more about herself because she has like a pretty impressive resume and also some cool things she's working on that I think would apply to a lot of our audience. Yes. Thank you, Rachel, for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And just, yeah, but no, I would be very excited. I love traveling by myself. And so I am excited for that. uh, Okay. Yeah, so I'm Rachel. I'm a writer, an editor, and a teacher. And it really does feel like those three things in a very core way. Um, I'm a person who just really, really cares about stories, and I always have. I recently graduated with an MFA from Columbia University, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Exponent 2, a really awesome Mormon feminist quarterly. It's print and digital. Um, we're entering our 50th year of, of, of being in print uh, wow. next year, which is incredible. So I'm I just so honored that. to yeah. be part of it. <laughs> Wait, so, so I think I knew this, but Exponent 2 started in the 70s, kind of like during the feminist movement. Yeah, in yeah. 1974, um, like uh-huh. Judy Dushku, Claudia Bushman, Laurel Thatcher Ulrich, like these kind of pillars yeah. in the community really just kind of reconciling like you know, wanting to grow in their faith and also very interested in feminism. And so it's based on those two pillars and yeah, continues, continues on to this day. Um, yeah. Cool. And so you just wrote East Winds and then you're also working on some other books at the moment. You have a few. Like, yeah, but- right now I've taken like a hard adventure, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> to writing historical fiction. Um Maybe it was the pandemic and just like wanted to escape to 300 years ago when times were even worse. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I've been um, working on some novels this year. But yeah, Eastwinds is my first book. It took me eight years and just truly has my whole heart and all my guts and the biggest truths I know how to tell. And so I'm really proud that this was my first book. And you already like so generously introduced it, Lindsay, but in short, just days after I got married, I began a shoestring backpacking honeymoon around the world. And the external frame of this year is figuring out how to be married as a very anxious, freaked out person by the whole thing, while also applying my anthropology background to study marriage and wedding symbolism in the different cultures I was immersing myself in. That was really important to me. Mm. And what this really stirred up was a very deep, important internal journey of wrestling with what marriage meant to me, a person with, again, anxiety, deep ambivalence about marriage, given what I had seen and been taught about partnership to that point. So even though it's uh, the full titles, East Winds, A Global Quest to Reckon with Marriage, um, I feel like it actually could be subtitled. I actually considered cutting the subtitle because it could just be subtitled like, how I learned to let go of my trauma and others' expectations of what I should do and start living my own life on my own terms. And like, you know, that's kind of like a little bit more universal. So it's definitely a story of agency um, alongside all those other kind of intersecting genres. Wow, that's incredible. In eight years into the making, that's very cool. 
a long time. Yeah. My first novel only took a year and I'm just like, it could be just a year. I don't even know what to do with myself. That's pretty, that's pretty different. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. I love how you talked about it being a story of agency. I feel like that's something I'm even just like in the beginning phases of figuring out for myself, just that I can make my own choices and figure out what I want those to be. And also I think Um, especially like raised in the church, there is a lot of like peeling back layers of other people's expectations and also the desire to, I don't know, just people please, I guess, or meet other people's expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, be, you know, that kind of service oriented lens and also wanting to be, you know, follow the path that God has for me or whatnot. And so there's a lot to work through and (laughs) yeah, totally. Yeah. And like doing that for a while and have some wisdom to share about it and have also been able to like work past some like maybe harder things that you had going against you from the beginning. So, yeah. yeah, thank you. And it's pretty ongoing, you know, like, I feel like these things we learn and then we have to learn and then relearn and relearn. Yeah. I'm yes. kind of therapy. Yeah. Sorry. What were you saying, cool. Oliver? <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is a very interesting topic for me because I feel like, well, I guess for everyone as members of the church, because mm-hmm. that is the goal, right. Is to get married. But then after you get married, no one really tells you like what to do or like what to expect. And there is, I'm assuming there's a lot of fear behind that because we weren't given a manual of how to get like, how to have the perfect marriage. You just get married and then you're expected to make it work. Mm -hmm. And kind of that like expectation that if you get married in the temple, it'll be a happy marriage, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) not true. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much more that goes into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think for me in the factors that really kind of led to this deep ambivalence was exactly what you're talking about. It's just sort of this like cognitive dissonance um, where at church, I, you know, and, and I think everyone had very different experiences, probably depending on our ages, zip codes, you know, all, all kinds of situations there. But I feel like I was really presented with this like idealized model of like this eternal family, you know, singing hymns about, um you know yeah that goal of like going to the temple getting married and that it was essential for not just my happiness but my salvation and so to accept less really kind of felt like a failure tragedy Mm. but at the same time like on the flip side um and this is this is part of of sort of kind of what fueled that tension for me growing up my parents you know we were a very active lds family my dad a little bit less so but my mom like especially so and my parents just hated each other. (laughs) They loved us for kids, but they really, like they barely even tolerated each other. And as a kid, I just honestly didn't know the difference. You just don't know different. All you know is what you've seen. And so I just thought like, oh, this is how it is. And, you know, they did eventually get divorced when I was in middle school. But by then I think I'd already sort of had developed some strange ideas about what relationships were, what they could be and what marriage went. And I just, yeah, I didn't see any models that I felt particularly excited about. So like on one hand, yeah, like, you know, you've got the like really happy, really kind of almost like didactic portraiture. And then on the other hand, just like the other end of the spectrum. And I think as I got older, especially by the time I got to BYU and I really had to start, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, the meat market, the dating seat. Yeah. Um, these things, but anyway, I, I really had to reconcile some of these polar opposites or begin to sort of reconcile it. And I feel like each end of those spectrums of like picture perfect and the worst person on earth ever, you know, are just like so extreme. And, um, I was just hungry for real stories, complex stories, like the kind you get in literature. I, I was not, I was not satisfied or convinced by, the simplistic stories and representations. Um, So So let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning before you met your husband, before you went on this year long honeymoon traveling around the world. What were your thoughts on marriage? Were you like looking forward to it or were you kind of dreading it because of your past and with your parents? Yeah, basically the first night on my honeymoon, I just like dissolved into a total like panic attack. And this was like after like a few proper nights at home, like, you know, like in the US. So it wasn't like that, that dramatic. That would be like something out of Hollywood. But it was just like, I'm in the middle of the night in Bogota in this dumpy hostel. What have I done? And just like truly, yeah, just really sort of had a meltdown. And I already knew that there were things leading up to this. Like I um, I started crying when I got my bridal pedicure and 
you know, I threatened to call it off at one point, you know, there were, there were things that I'm, I'm just very transparent and open about these things. Cause I think it's, uh, I think it's real. I think people experience this and like doubt is real and, yeah. um, you know, trauma resurging is real. And so even though I fell in love with Austin fair and square, I didn't even have a mental model of knowing that I could love someone and not necessarily want or even feel like ready to get married yet. Like mm -hmm. that like was not something I'd see normalized. It truly was not about Austin or how I felt about him um, and all of like his great qualities. It was literally about me reckoning with what I thought marriage meant. I thought it was something that I was trapping myself in that I'd lose my my wonderfully restless spirit. And mm -hmm. I just had to unravel some of those like big misconceptions, big expectations that I imagined were placed on me and in some ways were, but also like I took on mm -hmm. and then like literally going off the beaten path to try to make it my own. Yeah, I know Austin and I, I definitely think he was probably someone a lot of girls would be interested in <laughs> marrying, you know what I mean? Like great guy. But I know you two also have talked about how you have like these ideological differences too at times that also feel like yeah I remember one time you guys you guys are so awesome the way you like you use words and talk about things but you talked about like sometimes marriage feels like you're like ripping your soul apart like when you have things that are like different about you or things you can't like come to grips with and so that's a lot to think like not only is marriage like maybe something that doesn't look that great for anyone but also like I'm dealing with like a real human being with like their own thoughts and feelings and needs and like space in the world and trying to like merge lives together. It's just a lot. It is a lot. Funny. And I, and you know, and I was diligent about like all those things where like, they're like, you know, make sure you ask these 12 questions, read, you know, this book <laughs> of a thousand and one questions to ask before you got married. And like, I was, I was earnest about all of that, but no one tells you and spoilers because there's no one out there who can tell you it's only you you know of like when you come into conflict when you know those differences manifest in like very real ways like what's the line <laughs> you know um for in and like how much is love enough how much is wanting to work things enough it's so oh it's my so God. individual yeah yeah and there's no easy answers you just i mean and we could talk about this i think something i think i need is just like well, I will go back and say that I was really excited about this topic because I think it's something I have dealt with for sure. Like being single till I'm like 36, almost 37. Like I, there was definitely opportunities that I, what is it? Passed over, passed, passed on. Yeah. Passed on, passed over. Yeah. Passed over. <laughs> and um, yeah. And I think it was partially like maybe not being into the person enough, not feeling ready, all these things. But when I think about it, like marriage does feel like a little bit of like a, oh, I'm going to need to like fold myself into somebody else and like maybe lose some of that identity. I think it's big for women, especially. Yeah. And I know other women, I'll mention my sister's mentioned that she, she got married young, also had children young, but she still struggles with this a little bit too. Like, why did I do that? Like I, there were so many other paths I could have taken that were equally like viable. And she has like a, a great marriage and family, but yeah, it's, it's not straightforward. And there aren't easy answers. I think something that's helped me is recognizing that I'm not going to know like right away whether I want to marry some person. Like I just need a lot of time to build up that trust and understanding mm -hmm. and love for them, um, understanding of them as well. And that it's just going to take some time, just like it does with any close relationship I have, whether it's like a family member I'm close to or a good friend, like those relationships take years to like develop and like really develop that like closeness and love where you want to like keep investing in it so mm. yeah really well said so rachel i have a question usually when people plan their honeymoons it's usually like a weekend maybe a week and this was year long yeah it ended up being like a few months shy of that but it was it was a long time wow. <laughs> yeah okay so how did that come to be like whose idea was that um, it was mine. Um, I I had moved out to Boston in 2012 to do Teach for America. And this thing that I had done pretty much since I was able to is I would kind of suffer through my life, work like three jobs, get all the A's, be miserable and depressed out of my mind. And then I would like go on a big trip and mm -hmm. just like escape. Um, and then I'd come back and do it all over again. And so I'd be like, oh man, I hate being at home. I really love like being on the road, but actually I was just like repeating the cycle. Um, so that's like kind of like 
the entry point of just like, I was having a really hard time in Boston. So I had committed to myself, like if I can get through these two arduous years of Teach for America um, in just like a very difficult teaching situation, I feel like I aged like 10 years in very good ways, but then I'm gonna travel for a year, like take my gap year. And so I was gonna do it by myself. I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. And then, you know, one thing leads to another and there's still debate about like what really happened, but I think Austin <laughs> convinced me to marry him. And I said, I probably only would if he would come with me. So I, I've, you know, fronted his bill with my, I'd saved like $20,000 over two years for my teaching. And like, that's what funded the entire trip. Um, we, we made it work, which is it's amazing. It was amazing. You talk about your, in your book, different like cultures you experienced um, between like South America, Southeast Asia, different uh, Europe, different places where you were able to like really spend some time getting to know people and learning a little bit about their lives and particularly marriage traditions. I would love to hear like one of your favorites that like stuck out to you and why it resonated with you, maybe from the book or something you didn't mention in the book even. Thank you for that question, Lindsay, because I think, you know, in addition to the like how we ended up on this like wild adventure, like when it yeah. became clear that this was going to be the honeymoon, I started getting really deliberate about applying my anthropology background. I'd done two field studies before and for a trip that long, you need a reason to get up in the morning. And I think for me, like I always appreciate like a project and to like have a reason to just like get out and extend myself. I'm naturally very shy. And so this also like helped me do that. And I just, I just made some incredible friends, people who I'm still in very, very close uh, contact with. I just recently went to New York city with Chaitra, um, who is one of my favorite characters in the book. So, so I'll talk, I'll speak to that point, Lindsay. Um, one of my favorite parts of my research was coming across the Kanadan wedding ceremony. India's got just thousands and thousands of variations like on their Hindu wedding ceremony. But uh, for this particular region, it was so complex that my friend Chaitra couldn't just explain it all to me. Um, we had to go to basically, yeah, a, a, a temple where a Brahmin priest would translate what the things meant to Chaitra and then she would translate to me. And so I was sitting for like three hours just, and this is just like one little part of the ceremony, but there was one part that really stood out to me in in their ritual. And that was this moment called the, the Kashi Yatra, which translates as pilgrimage place. And essentially the groom at one point just like decides, you know, like, wait a minute, slow this on down. <laughs> and he just like stands up and just like formally like leaves the ceremony. He's just like, I, I'm out and he, in part of the script, he's like, I want to study more. I want to go to the sacred city of Varanasi. There's, you know, lives to live. There's other paths. Um, I don't want to be tied down. Um, this is gendered, clearly. It's also like part of the ritual. So it's not like total, yeah. just like exercising of agency, but it just like blew my mind. This is part of it. And then someone in the bride's family goes and gets the groom and convinces him to come back and all is forgiven. But just like literally the naming of of a path not taken, of normalizing doubt, normalizing that there are other great paths, that marriage is not the only one. To me, this just like blew my mind to just to, to not acknowledge this, I think, kind of wrestle is a disservice to everyone. I think it makes marriage um, simplistic, almost like a trap um, and not a choice, including like a daily choice for people. And I think mm -hmm. it also might make folks who are not in a relationship feel like there's something wrong with their journey. And so I just, I just really resonated with like this particular part. And I'm sure if each of you, you know, were to listen to that three hour translation, something else might jump out at you. But for me, who was really craving again, those complex stories, like someone who could like meet me where I was at. I just really appreciated that. I feel like mm -hmm. when I said that I, when I announced my engagement, essentially I was just so, it was almost just like so put off by kind of just like this um it was, it was almost like performative or it's not performative it's just like deeply ingrained it's just like oh congratulations wonderful woohoo when's the day da, da, da. you know and and those are all really well-meaning but i was really craving a conversation about this really huge decision and like a rigorous conversation anytime i expressed ambivalence or doubt I was kind of met with like a uh oh look like mm -hmm. oh no you know like uh, you know like I mean there's you know runaway 
bride movies and all like it's a trope yeah <laughs> um you know it's a trope on both sides and so yeah I, I just feel like there's there's something with that certainty that didn't quite work for me the way I framed it in East Winds and also just like in my own concept it's like I feel like I could have had a more rigorous conversation with anyone about mm -hmm. saying like hey listen I'm interested in wearing yellow for the rest of my life can we have like a conversation about that and it's just like well you know is that a good choice? Tell me what you like about yellow. You know, what if you change your mind? You know, like I could have had a more serious conversation about that or a serious job or like anything. Mm -hmm. um, I, so I was just really craving that. And it helped, you know, even though I didn't see that in my own models and in my own culture, it helped me sort of make that for myself. Yeah. Do you feel like that, um, like the congrats and like the um, like the practice, like reactions mm -hmm. came a lot from like this LDS culture? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's yeah. also part of like a larger Western culture. Like we love our rom-coms, you know, we get yeah, um, we get just really silly really fast. Um when we yeah. like when we get a subject comes up and like one of the things on the back cover is just like so many love stories end with like a wedding, mine starts there. Cause I think we rarely kind of actually see things yeah. play out. And so and yeah, I do think after. people like struggle with commitment. Um like engagement anxiety is so real. And I just thought I was the only one. I thought I was just like a total freaking weirdo. Um, yeah. But so turns out for, I wasn't alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Rachel, for you, it would have been the, the engagement process would have been more enjoyable if someone had come up to you and said, hey, it's okay that you have these doubts. Like everyone gets cold feet. Like this is natural. Don't freak out. Do you think that would have been a better experience for you? I think so. And it's hard to even imagine that counterfactual I mean, there's so much I probably would have done differently between just like waiting until I wasn't freaking out, <laughs> you know, just like let it, you know, a longer engagement timeline, even though that's not a thing that tends to happen in our culture. Mm -hmm. um, oh, no, real quick. Yeah, no, yeah, we're like, we've got, again, though, that like, that's part of like, can we, you know, anyway, examine this, especially like for adults. Um, but like, yeah, <laughs> thinking about like crying and like, the bridal salon or the the nail salon as I'm getting my bridal pedicure and it's just like uh, uh you know and I, I get it it's 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 hard to sit with anyone in their pain any time um, especially when it's like you got a wedding in three days but um <laughs> but yeah but just like a like even knowing that it was normal like I just had I just had no concept I thought I was like a terrible Mormon and again I had a lot of self-actualization to do I didn't fully know why I was so freaked out so I just thought there was something wrong with me but it would have been interesting to have that counterfactual. Yeah. yeah. Been better for sure. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that you're not the first person to think that or to feel those feelings. But because marriage is so important, especially to our religion, I think people just think to themselves, okay, don't say anything. Like, don't. Because if rock you say, the boat. Yeah, yeah, don't rock the boat. Because if you say it, then you're going to plant that seed inside their mind. And then, mm -hmm. like, are they going to get married? Is it going to like, are things going to fall apart? So I think mm -hmm. people just probably don't say it because it's out of fear or they don't want to like make things worse. Like it's said, rock mm -hmm. the boat. Yeah. Or people stay in marriages where, you know, don't consider divorce when maybe they should. I mean, right. yeah, maybe it's not divorce, but they should definitely be rethinking like how they're approaching their marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. You also make it sound like you had like a faster timeline, but like at least in like church, culture like you dated for a while right a couple of years yeah um about a year and a half and, and at okay. one point in the book like I like this really struck me it's just like I would get on a plane from where I was living Boston to Utah and it'd be like you've been dating forever you're old like what are you waiting for and then I'd get yeah. back on that plane to go to Boston and talk to my non-LDS friends and they're like you've only been dating for this long you're only this young like what are you doing? Yeah. So it just really showed me like, whoa, like it's very, extreme. again, these are just like very extreme ways. And there was no way to please both sides. They were literally mm -hmm. opposites. And so, you know, I want to say I found a happy medium, but that came later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, you know, making your own path. Um, What's been the response with your book? Like, do a lot of people reach out and say, oh, I have had the same feelings? Is it a mix? Yeah, I've been I've been really surprised and grateful because I just I, I think so much of this is like maybe it'll be a little bit of a tab of a taboo. Um, and again, kind of back to those simplistic stories, I feel like a lot of stories that I read and not just in LDS culture, but in the broader culture, it's just like, 
here's the most perfect man I've ever been with ever. Let me tell you about how amazing he is and everything he does. Or it's like, let me tell you about the worst human on earth that I married and how I got out of that relationship. Like it is, it's really, I don't know. Maybe this is just like fears projecting, but so I, I didn't realize that other people struggled with this ambivalence. I really did think that I was again, a weirdo, but worse than a weirdo because I was bad. Why didn't I want what I was supposed to want? And even years later, while writing this book, I found it difficult to explain my decision and what the book was even about, where, you know, on one hand, you again, we kind of feel comfortable in these like scripts of like, just ease. And then I'd have LDS friends would be like, well, you figured it out, ta-da. Like, why are you still writing this book? And then yeah. <laughs> again, like non-member, like graduate class workshops were like, I don't get it. Like, if you didn't want to get married, then why did you get married? And why am I still reading about this? You know, like <laughs> uh, they did, like they didn't even understand the pressure, but I knew I had to get to the bottom of this for myself, for my sense of self. It was core to my own journey as just like a self-actualized person. Um, but it was, yeah. It, and I thank you again for the question, Lindsay, because it was only after publishing this memoir and having people start to write to me that I realized that other people also identified with this struggle. Um, even though it's not very well represented, I think it is represented actually um, in our community. And so again, like normalizing doubt in many areas, not just in the marriage um, sphere, I think could benefit our community by just offering more perspectives and just making room for everyone. Mm -hmm. I like that normalizing doubt, not just with marriage, but other with everything because yeah there's very few like cut and dry things in life like most things we have to wrestle with a little bit and yeah, yeah. like the most important yeah. things you know um, yeah as yeah. we should yeah as we should. yeah how cool of you to like be the voice for those people because like you said you felt like it was you thought it was just a you thing but in reality there are others that do struggle with that yeah it's it's again been like quite surprising and not just, you know, LDS readers too, but the, the other, other people, different genders, different sexual orientations, you know, like I, yeah, um, it's, it's been, it's been really humbling and yeah, it's, I'm just so grateful. I'm just, I'm so grateful to have this conversation. I'm so grateful that I, I, yeah, this was a very hard book to write. And so I'm just, the fact that anyone could read it is just a total gift. I wanted to like take a departure and ask Oliver because I kind of like sprang this topic on him. I was like, we're doing this thing. I was trying to explain it like <laughs> my friend. It's hard to explain. Yeah. 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 I've been trying to explain it for almost a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of wanted to ask Oliver like what his thoughts are on marriage. Like, is that something you've always wanted? I mean, obviously it's like a lot more complicated when you're also dealing with like your sexual orientation mm -hmm. and identity there. It's okay. A funny question because before I came out, I was the guy who told everyone, Oh, I'm going to get married. Like when I'm in my twenties, we're going to have like five to 10 kids. I'm going to be this great dad. I'm gonna be like a, I don't know. I think when I was younger, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Then I decided I wanted to be a counselor. So I was like, I'm going to be like a counselor and my wife's going to take care of our five through 10 kids. <laughs> But now, like as an out gay man and a member of the church who's, you know, in his 30s, it's yeah, like I'm I am not ready for marriage. Like yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine taking care of a kid. And so just like seeing that, just seeing like that side of the coin and uh -huh. just living that life where I, I know I'm not ready for marriage. Yeah. Even though as a teenager and in my 20s, I was like, yeah, that's what I want. So yeah, like your ideas and your uh, perspectives definitely change as you get older. Yeah. I was gonna say, I totally. love my 30s. I've said this before. 30s are great. It's a lot of like exploration time, mm -hmm. kind of like, again, shedding those layers of expectations and things. Mm -hmm. and Cleaning out the wounds a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I do want to get married eventually. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I do. I do crave that. I do want to share my life with someone. That companionship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and maybe who's not to say at some point, maybe even after getting married, I change my mind and I decide, I decide that I am ready for kids. Yeah. Like maybe getting married pushes that interest even further. Yeah. When you have the right partner to do that with. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, yeah, we haven't even like broached the kids topic, but mm. that's like a whole, a whole another topic. Cause that's a lot. Mm. Yeah. I still yeah. in theory want kids, but in practice, I'm like, very afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who's yeah. not to say if I'm engaged, I don't have those same doubts that you had, Rachel. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I think another thing that has been interesting is that a lot of people, maybe they didn't, people who didn't necessarily um, have the same marriage ambivalence, but they did about parenthood. Um, mm. And so they're like, oh, I recognized myself in this when I was deciding to have children. And so I think, you know, so, sometimes I, I think maybe I was just like conflating the two, especially of just like mm. marriage and children, you know? Yeah. yeah. But you're, yeah, we're right here to parse those out. Those are two very different things. Um, yeah. So. I think we're seeing more and more uh, in the world couples who are making the decision not to have children and just like enjoy their coupleship. And I think that's really beautiful too. I think those are probably a lot of times really happy partnerships because children had a lot of stress to the relationship among other things, but yeah. 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 And that, you know, I am, I am not a parent yet. I don't know what my life holds, but I think it's, it's the same principle of just like, yeah. I mean, it, I think it really is like to the principle of like, even this marriage question, that's just like, mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, like who to marry or when to marry, it's like, who are you? Are you grounded in yourself? Are you aware of your trauma? Have you worked through mm-hmm. it? Are you honest with yourself and about what you want and really need in life? Um, mm-hmm. What motivates that? And if there is a potential partner in mind, you know, if there is someone you're dating, like, do they truly see that? And do you seek to change them? And, you know, all the, all those like cliches, yeah. but I think like my neon sign is just like, trust yourself (laughs) you know like we have the tropes we have the stories we have the ideals um we have the perceived good timelines um yeah but but yeah like only the individual can know what's right for them and and trying to fit into a form or a construct or relationship um yeah i i think i just i hope people don't continually try to like erase themselves um, because it's a big spiritual question it's only between an individual and the divine like what someone's path is Mm, yeah love it and i think you said this earlier rachel you know each marriage is different what works for one couple probably won't necessarily work for another couple yes every single marriage in the world is completely mysterious to Mm -hmm. everyone else in the world including the probably the people in the marriage in some like Mm -hmm. particular way i think that's one of the things that yeah i get to after like literally traveling the entire world talking to people about this very big vulnerable subject and just realizing like yeah there's (laughs) like you know when i looked at my own culture and couldn't find the answers um that i was seeking i looked in these other cultures and i found a lot of really beautiful answers and like individual experiences and then by the time I'm like walking 500 miles across Spain in sandals, eventually it like dawns on me of like, you have asked everyone else in the literal world, what <laughs> makes a good marriage? What do you, Rachel, think makes a good marriage? Like, like, oh. you know, reorienting that locus of control. So again, my neon sign, trust yourself. <laughs> I love that. So. I did want to, I want to hear what your answers were or some of your answers for, for yourself on what makes a good marriage and why you chose it. But I also wanted to bring up another thing about the Camino de Santiago there. So you made some really cool friends on your journey. I was kind of jealous of that. I made good good friends on my journey too, but I think yours were like, maybe because you did a longer route or something, you just had like some really special friendships there. I got very lucky. Some really cool people. And I'm honestly, the story that stuck out to me the most in the whole book that really kind of shook me a little bit was um, the story of the Australian woman. I believe her name was Susie. Mm-hmm. Um, she like had a boyfriend back home who wanted to marry her. He had kids and was like ready. And she was kind of questioning that. Anyway, do you want, mind telling a little bit more about that story? Yeah, sure. You know, Susie's just one of those warm, beautiful souls. It's just like so effusive when you meet her. You know, she's, a, yeah. she's been tango salsa dancing all over South America and she's a yogi and she just gives impromptu massages to people with their muscle pain. You know, she's just that kind of a person. And so, you know, for the first half of this 500 mile walk, she's just like, yep, after this, I'm going to go home. I'm going to marry this really great guy. He's got two wonderful kids. Um, I'm ready to settle down. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we get walking and she's like kind of fallen in love with, you know, one person. And then I find out months later that she, you know, walked a little bit further in her Camino and ended up staying for years with like, I'll, I'll give it to her a very hot, roadside yes. hermit yeah. <laughs> um but like literally a hermit um like two walls <laughs> to the house and like was just like living with him and like you know giving out food to pilgrims and strumming a guitar all day and it's like yes like you go Susie like you go you go live that life um yeah it's such a foil to I think 
you know, again, like kind of our dominant narrative, which is just one narrative of just like how life can look um, as a member of church, a, a member yeah. of the church and partnering with someone. But like, just to say that her experience is like, you know, any less meaningful. Um, I do hope, you know, for the same things that I would, you know, hope that LDS couples, you know, whether considering marriage or parenting or all these, you know, there there is a kind of like grounding and like, who am I and what am I doing? Again, these like, you know, self-reflective questions, because I think you need that no matter which of these, you know, paths you're going to go on. So you're not just like totally lost. But yeah, she she was something and I and I admire yeah. for it. Yeah, I love that story because I also met this uh, hermit guy. I think his name was David. We called him Trail Jesus. He Literally David. That is literally David. He's still there. Yeah, he's super attractive. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. um, oh my God. He's got like a, a hut on the side of the road. And literally he had like a mattress out that he was, he was just like sleeping under the stars out there. And he was like offering food to all the pilgrims that came through. Honestly, not a beautiful point. It's like a great point for him to be there and offer food to the pilgrims, but like just like a desert landscape. Anyway, yeah. that kind of blew my mind with that story. Cause I, and I was kind of judging Susie, like, what is she doing? She has this great guy back home. And she's like choosing these like Spanish guys who probably can't offer that same stability or whatnot. Totally, but yeah. Also, like the way you talk about it, I'm like, you're right. Like there is no like invalid path. It's just choices, you know? And uh, what may not like work for me uh, may make a lot of sense for somebody else. And honestly, like in her, I also see that like wandering like spirit, which like is good, a good thing and like something you want to cultivate where you do want to like continue to learn and meet new people and explore. Like, so yeah, I, yeah, her story is just like really interesting and not that there's like a right or wrong answer to like what she should have done or whatnot, but just like, yeah, people are grappling with these big questions. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was an interesting character. Yeah. <laughs> Trail Jesus. Trail Jesus. What? Hot Trail David. Yeah, that's so yeah, amazing. Yeah. Lindsay, you and I are going to talk off the record of just like, wow, he's been there like 15 years now. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, while you guys were talking about Trail Jesus and David, I can I can see like how those two can be considered romantic. Yeah. Because Lindsay, you mentioned earlier about how Susie, you don't understand how Susie like was able to ditch that guy and like ditch that stability. Mm-hmm. But I can see why pursuing someone like David or like a trail Jesus, that it's kind of romantic because that's that's someone who like throws caution to the wind, like being with this guy is gonna be like an adventure every day of their lives. So maybe that was more appealing for maybe Susie at that time. But I could see why that could be mm-hmm. appealing to some women. Well, yeah. And honestly, like the judgment there was probably just like it, the same judgment I give myself where I'm like, you have this great guy. What's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you just like hopping into marriage, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, we we so read our own experiences into things. And even, you know, me yeah. knowing Susie, I'm just like, I don't know. Did you like ethically kind of like communicate, you know, with your partner back home? The end of the, like, I, I yeah. have no idea <laughs> yeah. what do I don't know it? if Susie was like a totally like unwell, ungrounded person just flailing around or if she was like, like actually like, you know, almost monastic in her commitment to love. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Only Susie can know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like, yeah. And I totally identify with that. Like, okay. Uh, I have this good option, but like, what else? And like, am I going to continue to keep, keep, be doing like, what else is out there? You know, is there some mm-hmm. artist in some Spanish town waiting for me? You know? Yep. Uh, yeah. But again, yep. these are choices and experiences to be had. And yeah. Yeah. Do you want that stability or do you really want to like continue it going on Exploring. that adventure? Yeah. yeah. Which is like both have merit. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, and hopefully in kind of like deconstructing these binaries, it's like, it could be like a little bit of both or time right. and season or again, just like knowing, yeah, again, just like knowing like what truly brings you happiness versus like, what do you want? Like, I don't, I don't fully know the boundary between what I want and what I need anymore, but yeah. 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 yeah that's a really good point. You don't have to like settle down with one boring person. And you don't have to also just like consistently like travel the world with different guys, like yeah. nice in betweens, including like what Rachel's doing with her husband. So <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> there's that stability and there's that adventure, and hopefully you can find both. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, question for you: At what point during this, um, during your guys' honeymoon, did you finally feel like things were going to work out? That things were going to be okay. Hmm. Lindsay, did I ever figure that out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you had some nice thoughts at the end of the book, but it was the book. Yeah, it wasn't like super like conclusive 
in that, I mean, you did have some really beautiful ideas and I especially loved your ideas on like how to make the marriage, make it a marriage you want. I think it's like creating what you want versus like needing it to be something now. So yeah, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that for sure. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I just had to make peace with like, it has to be a daily choice for me. I, yeah, I I don't know what forever looks like. I don't know what I'm going to look like in forever. I don't know what Austin will look like in forever. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I, I really, you know, I, I didn't come to like conclusions or figure out the magic answers. And it's certainly not a book of like, come be like me, um, come be like us, like come build what we have. Like it's so much more um, of just like, uh, I can't, yeah, I can't even like put my finger on it. It's so big, but um, there's something like almost just like sacred and holy about just like coming to like a deep peace within yourself about the choices in the path that your life has taken, even though you made like a thousand mistakes and aren't even entirely sure why you did some things. And again, like it would be like, like a rom-com like story or something of just like, you know, I went on this trip, I freaked out, I figured it out. And then I decided to get married to Austin at the end. Like that's a really nice arc, but like, it was just so messy. And so I think just, Mm -hmm. you know, finding a place of peace within myself that like, I am still myself. I'm not sacrificing like my soul to the everlasting, like fires of like forever and ever and eternity really Mm -hmm. hope things work out. Um, you know, but like, it's okay that it doesn't sometimes. And, and yeah, I think, as much as like the the taboos about kind of like uncertainty and doubt, I think we have work to do that about uh, divorce and separation in our culture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think like another simple story that I got really freaked out about when I was getting married of just like everyone just being like, marriage is hard, marriage is hard, marriage is hard. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? And like, like my aunts would like kind of like joke about like, oh, sometimes I just want to kill my husband. And I'm just like, what? Like, just <laughs> like what is this? You know, and I, th- I think like, relationships are work like we know that from just like being human beings on this planet whether it's like a working relationship or a friendship like marriage is is work but life is hard um love hopefully like makes it easier and and yeah similar to what Lindsay was saying earlier like sometimes i think if we just like get really trapped and it's like oh well just marriage is just like hard it's just so 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 hard like that could be hiding like really toxic dynamics it could be even hiding abuse you know like we, we yeah i think we have work to do and just like lengthening that spectrum of experience um on the front end of marriage ambivalence and on the on the out end for people who need something else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that I know you've been married for a while now what do you do you have any advice for singles who are still kind of figuring it out like I'm not sure if I want to be married and it is yeah it's so individual and I think the whole even like concept of advice is a thing I kind of like play with and challenge throughout the book um between the book is divided into continents, South America, Asia, and Europe. And between those sections, um, I have what I call um, like a brief layover. And it's just no, um, no narrative, just a bunch of like direct quotes and things that people wrote to me as marriage advice. And in kind of that chorus, almost like Greek chorus style, you start to realize like, man, some of these are really silly. Some of them are like really stupid and some of them are problematic and some of them are really wise, but it's just like, whoa, like (laughs) good luck, you know, but as they say, you know, advice is free, you get what you pay for. But yeah, I I think I just like reiterate the like, my neon sign is like, trust yourself, yourself, your individual journey is the journey. It's not trying to fit into all the other things. I think it's more like the, the question of just like who you are and what do you want to live your one wild and precious life. Um, and it's hard. I mean, live in a culture with a lot of pressures and expectations. Um, and part of the difficulty of writing East Winds was trying to make visible those, you know, sometimes invisible, you know, um, pressures. You know, sometimes they're explicit, but sometimes they're they're not. But it's just like felt. Um, it's you feel it when you walk in a room, or maybe it's you know your own like trauma demons getting stirred up, like whatever it is. But yeah, so I think it's more important than the question of marital status. Is just like the general welfare of a person. Mm-hmm. I'm just all for demystifying marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's an important relationship. I know that you know there are layers of sacredness to that, but like it isn't passing through some kind of veil. You won't cease to exist as a human being, which is like what I feared of just like, I was just gonna like literally die somehow. Um, 
And yeah, you can make you can make the brave choice and it is a choice. It's a huge leap of faith to enter. And you can also make the choice to exit if, you know, the worst should happen. But just being like clear eyed about like who you are, don't erase yourself, don't get lost, don't fit a marriage box or a particular person and just don't abandon yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Get the help you need and making it what you want it to be too. Yeah. Yeah. And like, again, don't be, don't, I mean, I had a really wonderful, meaningful, very difficult year, but like, you don't have to go ask every single person on the planet, like what you should do, what is marriage, you Uh know, turn it inward. Only, only we can ask ourselves individually what it means and what, and what, um, what we want out of that. If that's something we even want, Mm -hmm. that takes like so much courage and, um, and bravery to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, in the beginning, you talked about the Indian wedding, um, the ceremony, I guess is the word where kind of talk about it's okay to have like this doubt and how they kind of talk about it in the ceremony. Were there any other traditions during your travels that you saw that you, that you think would be cool if we adopted here in the United States? It's all so different, but I will, I will say there was, I, I was really struck by um, a place in Northern Thailand. I was with um, a Karen village and I was with a, a local and we went and visited a Lahu tribe and they had on, on the New Year's, they have a very big dance. They are a very traditional culture. They're very conservative. They marry extremely young, like 14, 16. Oh, wow. Um, but on the new year, they have this big dance and you can switch your like marriage partner at that time. Like you just like swap uh, if it's not working for you. And it's like kind of like a vetted way in this community to like have an outlet. And so it it is sort of like, I, I'm not saying like we should do that, <laughs> but I also like, I'm thinking about, there's a book behind me. Um, it's a book called The New I Do reshaping marriage for skeptics realists and rebels and i just barely read this book um it was a strange beach read i literally read it on a beach in mexico i am a strange person i am obsessed with this subject um still but it you know they it's it's a much more like western approach to like obviously this um this lahu tribe ceremony but they break down a bunch of different chapters of just like you know maybe marriage isn't working as an institution for kind of modern generations but here but it's still really important here are maybe some ideas of how um, it could be reframed and it breaks down a whole bunch of different ones and one of the chapters is it talked about a starter marriage which i actually thought was really brilliant where like you don't just like move in together and just like go on and on like you literally enter a starter marriage you like drop a contract and you're like we're going to revisit on this day here are like the the norms and expectations we agree not to have children you're going to do this i'm going to do this and we will revisit on you know five years from now eight years from now whatever and decide if we want to continue in like another marriage contract for like parenthood or like whatever and i just feel like Uh, that's so lovely um i know that like probably freaks some people the total opposite way but for me it's just like you don't really know what you're getting yourself into in so many situations in life and um, I just, again, I, I just, I think choice is really romantic. <laughs> so yeah. I was into that. I was into that. And um, I, I think there is tremendous beauty in the ideal of eternal families and ha- happiness forever and ever, but not everyone gets that card. No. And so I think we need some outlets um, and mm-hmm. some, and some other, other stories to, mm-hmm. you know, meet people where they are. Yeah. Just cause it's a, story that doesn't follow that linear path doesn't mean it's a lesser story or anything yeah. like yeah. you're not a failure you didn't fail life you know yeah I think it can really be very very damaging to people and also yeah keep people in difficult situations because of mm-hmm. the you know for the wrong reasons so yeah best of luck to everyone out there figuring this out I don't have to figure it out and I, <laughs> and I wrote yeah. a book about it so yeah it's complex yeah. wow I've been feeling like um well, first I was going to say, I know someone who did a dating contract where it was my sister-in-law's brother. He was like at BYU, so he's young, but he was like, I don't know about dating. I get bored pretty quickly with people and I don't want to like break someone's heart. So how do you feel about like a one month contract? We can date for a month. And then if we decide to renew, great. Yes. And we'll just like go our separate ways. Anyway, they did this for like a few months of like renewing their contract. And then they're like, okay, we're just going to date. And they got married. <laughs> but uh-huh. See, oh. see, this, yeah. these are my people. Are like, I, I, yeah, yeah, I like, I feel safer knowing there's like an emergency exit in the case yeah. of an emergency. 
You know, I want to know <laughs> lights are going to illuminate the way and there can't be lights if I literally don't like know if literally even the way. So yeah. 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 But that obviously worked for your brother-in-law and yeah. Your, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that worked for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, I mean, they're fun and who knows how they like actually made that work in reality, but like the idea is really yeah. fun. It's like, we have these like, okay, I can't even like go on a date with a person because I might break your heart, but it's not totally, like that, you know? Totally. Yeah, no, it's, it's, we put so much pressure, so much pressure. And yeah, I, um, yeah, we have like, I, I didn't know how to break up with people in college. There was no like class or Sunday school lesson on like how to, how to end things. It was just like, you're supposed to be with people forever. <laughs> just like, yeah. partner up, you know, it's just like, yeah, there was, yeah. yeah. So I think that's, you know, some, I think that's like wildly unromantic and very silly, but I was like, that is so that is so brilliant. And it's just like, so yeah. transparent. Like I'm all for communication. Yeah. <laughs> so. So here's a question for both you and for you, Rachel and you, Lindsay, when it comes to dating and when it comes to like engagements and marriage, what is one tradition that you would like to change or get rid of? I mean, there's a lot around like weddings and ceremonies that I'm not in favor of. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many like patriarchal, archaic things that we do yeah. that I'm like not interested in. In terms of, yeah, just yeah, there's so many. <laughs> Where do you the even garter start? toss. Yeah. <laughs> the garter toss is very creepy. I did not do that at my wedding. It's got a very strange backstory from the Middle Ages. Um, and I think for me also, like, I wish, like, I have a lot of really um like incredible friends who are guys and i i kind of wish i wouldn't have done like maids and then the groomsmen i wish i would have been more like gender inclusive in, in ways mm. that i've seen like other people do it i love that but also i, I kind of think like elope so like i don't know, I don't know yeah yeah <laughs> that too <laughs> yeah there's a few things that i'm like i mean even just something like um a man asking my dad mm -hmm. you know stuff like that i'm not, mm -hmm. not in favor of like maybe we can all have a conversation together with my parents but there's nobody giving me away you know I'm in a full adult yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah these ceremonies they do they 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 pass on again some of these like invisible messages and but like they, they pass on um a lot of significance and symbolism so it's yeah they're interesting yeah. I would say even like beyond the wedding like I think for me I'm very interested in like a partnership marriage like none of this like me needing to be in charge of the house and the children like we're gonna like work this out together so I'm not like taking all of the emotional labor on for like keeping house or taking care of the children while uh, my partner just like you know works eight hours a day and then is off you know or whatnot so I think I've thought a lot about that and what I'd like because that's honestly been part of the marriage ambivalence is being like oh I'm gonna be like taking care of another man child mm -hmm. like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no really yeah um, no I, and again like and it's like, where did these come from? You know, and, and that's where it comes down to the individual. Like, it took a lot for me to just be like, okay, in which, in which way is, is Austin this, like, really bad, scary, like, outline of, like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> or in which ways is it not? But, yeah, um, there were a lot of things that I had to puzzle through over that. We, we, have, we have a lot of implicit baggage that we carry, yeah. especially, I think, women who want something more egalitarian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, see that there's more out there for mm -hmm. them. I didn't really think about this until now, but the world is changing constantly. Mm -hmm. So shouldn't like the idea of marriage mm -hmm. and like shouldn't weddings mm -hmm. and proposals, those should change too, right? Because mm -hmm. like you guys said, a lot of these different traditions are archaic and they're not necessary mm -hmm. anymore. Well, I was thinking about gay marriage, especially how like you'll hear about couples and like if you have two of the same gender, like obviously you're not filling those like same gender roles. Mm -hmm. And so you have this like opportunity to recreate something that mm -hmm. works for you. So I think that's like actually like a cool model to look to, to be like, okay, like we don't have to follow any traditional rules. We're mm -hmm. just figure out works what works for the two of us. So I'm excited for you to have that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything yeah. can be deconstructed down. I mean, then you have to deal with other people's feelings, but like those are other people's feelings. Yeah. Like, yeah. Getting in touch yeah. with yeah. That's what it looks like for you. Throughout this whole podcast, I've been thinking about something I heard on another podcast, a random podcast, and the person was talking about, like, we talk a lot about finding ourselves, but uh, really it's we're choosing ourselves, like, mm -hmm. choices mm -hmm. that make sense for us or that we want, and that's, like, that's who we are, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who we are is our choices, and it's there's nothing, like, I mean, obviously getting in touch with, like, what we want is really important, but 
there's not like some secret we need to find. It's just like moving forward with choices that and bringing things into our lives that we want to bring into our lives. And again, like it is like a day by day process. Like there are no guarantees. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 yeah just like this conversation. Don't, don't yeah. abandon yourself. And like there are days yeah. or full weeks or months or years even where I've abandoned myself. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah. Get, get back on that. And the reality is, and like, we know this, but it's like, if you can be present in yourself, in your body, in your choices, in your self-actualization, then you like paradoxically will be a better partner, you know? Yeah. Um, so we actually yeah. talked about that last week with uh, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. We were talking about sex, but like she was talking about relationships and how a lot of people get into relationships because they have this like ideal or they have this expectation of what their partner will be for them or complete for them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's like really the ideal is to like figure out ourselves first and then figure out how to like make it worse with someone who has also figured out themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that very eloquently, but yeah, yeah. there's some, there's some, yeah, no, that, that's great rated for us. So yeah. And she's so wise. Yeah. I'm yeah. I saw that episode and I'm excited to go catch it. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah I've so, learned a lot from her. Yeah. So Rachel, you talked a lot about your doubts in uh in like in marriage and and in, in relationships. Did Austin ever voice his doubts to you during the during this relationship with you? You know, we're just extremely different personalities. Um where I, you know, go on one end of just like kind of the doubt thing. He is sort of at the other opposite end of just like so optimistic, almost blindingly optimistic at times. And so I think sometimes like we maybe even like push each other even more to the extremes because it's like he's zero percent worried. And so like I have to like carry more worry somehow I feel, you know, it's yeah. like, are we going to, yeah. So, so he was all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, you know, he had his own journey and questions, but like, he just doesn't, um, he doesn't inhabit it at all the same way I do. And even like in getting ready to share this book with the world, it's an extremely vulnerable book. Um, you know, his true, like worst, scary monster, terrible things that he wrestles with are not in the book. Cause it's just like, literally it's not about that, but like there are complicated portraits of both of us, but you know, and kind of giving it to him to make sure that he was okay with me publishing any and all of the things like, he didn't, he didn't comment on any of the relationship stuff. It was like, this is actually a really great quote by that prophet that you like didn't love so much. You know, it was like, it was like literally like the doctrinal things. I'm like, yep, this is, this is us. But like, yeah, he, um, very open. I'm much more concerned about our privacy than he is. So (laughs) yeah, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, That's interesting how like in some ways you're like feeding each other doubts and insecurities with these lists, like being polar opposites that way. But in other ways, Mm -hmm. like uh, it's helpful because you bring that balance to each other. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it really just depends on like, yeah, the perspective and the day and the challenge. But yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing's nothing's simple. Nothing's clear cut. And yeah, I think it's so important to talk about. Again, I love the idea of like the story starting with a marriage because yeah, it's not clear cut. And every day is like new challenges, new opportunities for growth and. Yeah, there's, and it's just like a wide open future, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very harrowing, very fun, very wild, very growthful yeah. <laughs> first year for me. So I'm, yeah, yeah baptism it. by fire version <laughs> of first <laughs> yeah. year of marriage for East Winds. But yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. That, yeah. That, that experience we had. Well, everyone read the book. It's really cheap on Amazon. I have a copy if anyone wants to borrow it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I also recorded the audiobook myself and but like had like professionals like directing me and doing it in a studio. So it's like that's you know, I'm I'm lately I'm so into the audiobooks. So so that's oh, yeah. that's a new thing. So that's there fun. You go. I love it. Well, this has been like super fun chatting with you and yeah, I love just like the leaning into the ambiguity, you know, like that's it's there. There's no need to like sugarcoat like yeah. what life is like. And that's not what we want, especially like being single at this age. We're already doing like things. We're already taking different paths and we maybe totally. our lives. And so yeah. and this up and coming generation, like they will not settle for anything less. You know, so yeah. we might as well like, yeah. But I'm just, yeah, so grateful for the space and for this, this, the community that you create on this podcast and for like, yeah, like these, these conversations are so important and what you, everything that, 
you, Lindsay and Oliver are doing. I'm just very grateful and thank you for hosting me. Yeah, for sure. I was gonna say one more thing. We haven't had a ton of married people on the podcast, mm. um, but this conversation is just making me realize how much we all have in common. Like, I think sometimes we feel like we're worlds apart, especially in the church. When it's we're terrible. Like, it's so <laughs> terrible. Yeah. yeah. And again, like that gets back to like, just because you get married doesn't mean you like literally like, like, what do we think happens? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? We like yeah. stop talking to each other and yeah. we stop talking to each other. We silo wards. Um, stop being friends. Yeah. You're married now. Yeah. It's very, yeah. very strange. Um, I think yeah. it's unfortunate because, yeah, um, I definitely have more in common with like Lindsay, who's my age, than like mm-hmm. the 24 year old who's leading my release society right now and my like, <laughs> quote unquote family ward. Like, yeah. Um, but even then, like, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, a whole nother topic that we totally, can yeah, yeah, put a pin in that one. I'll, yeah. I'll keep following and listening for your thoughts on that.